Hi, welcome to Where the Kids Are Right, a podcast where we analyze the books we read as kids. My name is Jacqueline and I use they, them, or she, her pronouns. And my name is Sophie and I use she, her pronouns. We're an abnegation member. And an amity slash reluctant candor member. Who read a lot as children and now have thoughts. We will get into spoilers, so that's your warning for that. This week's content warnings are suicide, racism, sexual assault, domestic violence, so much abuse of all different kinds, discussion of homelessness, needles, mind control, and harmful societal ideology. Okay, so this is actually the second part of our discussion about Divergent. We decided to split it up into two parts because we had a lot to say about world building, so check out our previous episode if you want to hear all our world building thoughts and some Hunger Games comparisons and uh, some highlights of our eventual fanfiction takes. And then with that, this is our second part where we will talk about characters, critical analysis, and our ratings and conclusions. So if you want to hear how we felt about this read, go ahead, listen to the whole thing. We will give our ratings at the end. Yep. Okay. So starting off with Triss. Okay. We talked a lot about Triss in our first episode. But not really to the extent that she needs to be talked about. Okay. So Sophie, you clearly have more thoughts about this than I do. So okay. go ahead. I freaking hated Triss. <laughs> okay. Um, Elaborate, please. I didn't hate her as much as I did the first time around. However, I hate Chosen Ones. Fair. Harry Potter didn't bother me as much because it was like my first chosen one storyline, but I hate it. I think that Triss's specialness for like literally having more than one personality trait is ridiculous. And I don't like how good she is at everything. It was nice to see her struggle with the physical part, but I think that her simulation resistance should have been linked a little bit more to her abnegation upbringing rather than her diverse. That's interesting. I also thought she was a very reactionary protagonist. She didn't take a lot of action. She made plans to take action, but she didn't really work against the eventual abnegation attack. Yeah. And she just kind of let things happen as they happened, which makes sense in the connotation of initiation. Mm -hmm. But when there is a plot going on outside of that, and also the divergent plot, you'd think that she would take a little bit more care to figure out things, especially because she doesn't seem to know what divergent is, which is really frustrating to have this entire plot hinge off of the fact that she's divergent and then not have that explained until three quarters of the way through the book. And the explanation is the same as the explanation from before, except for when it was the explanation before, you didn't know that that was the full explanation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't mind being in her head, though, because she is a good point-of-view character for a fast-paced book. Yeah, I didn't hate her as much as I thought I was going to, honestly. I thought she was going to be more not like other girls' traits. Yeah. But she didn't have that many, or at least not what I expected. She was less annoying than I thought she would be. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't hate her as a point-of-view character. I definitely agree that she's like, you know, she's a chosen one character. Yeah. That in and of itself is kind of annoying. Yeah, I think the problem is less in who she is and more in how she was written. Totally. Especially because in addition to the chosen one, they also added a discrimination and bullying plot line. Yeah. It would have... Yeah, it would have been much more interesting if she had been standing up to the bullies who were bullying other people because you already have the chosen one storyline and when you add a victimization because of her faction and also just because people hate her, Mm -hmm. I think that the going after her when she was ranked number one, that was fine. That made sense because it happened to other people as well. Yeah, but it made her stand out a little bit too much. That she was the only Dauntless transfer from Ebony negation. I'm even fine with that. I just think that she was a little bit too tropey in the fact that she was super, super special mm-hmm. and in the fact that she didn't think like other people and yeah. her thinking was special and she couldn't be fit into a category. She was more than a number, etc, etc. When literally every person is like that. Yeah. And she was even observing it in all the characters. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about her relationship with Four? Before we get into that, I would like to mention some of her sudden bursts of violence and hatred for people who hurt her, which I thought that was the most interesting parts of her character. Yes. 
I, um, okay, with that, I thoroughly enjoyed towards the end of Divergent where she's like basically having a mini argument with her dad about killing people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's other ways to do this, you know? And she's just like, it's either they shoot me or I shoot them. You pick. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was so interesting and I wish we had seen more of it. Yeah, I would be with the dad. I'm with Triss in this specific situation. I think that shooting Will, killing him, just killing Will. That I didn't like. And the fact that she was unwilling to kill Four, but she was willing to kill Will, her friend, who she has been with this entire time. And her first friend. Her romantic interest Second. over her literal friend. And I understand Will killed her mom and helped with that. But he was yeah. being mind controlled. It's not Will. And she just killed him when she also shot Eric in the foot. Yeah, I do wish it had been more of a thing where instead of, like, if other people had been aiming to kill at her, I get it. Mm-hmm. But I do wish she had tried to incapacitate them first because they are being mind controlled. Like, you can shoot them in both of the arms and both of the legs. Yeah. And then that's fine. Do it. Yeah, I always had a problem with the fact that she killed Will. And I know that is a plot line that drives a wedge between her and Christina in the next book. But I think you can still have that and use the fact that she shot Will. Yeah, even that would drive a wedge between them. And also it was kind of like, I understand that they wanted to kill off people who were meaningful to Triss because, you know, emotional book was whatever. It's just they get killed off so fast. The parents also get killed off so fast. And honestly, it kind of made me laugh because I was kind of wondering when they would off the parents. Mm -hmm. The mom's death made perfect sense. Mm -hmm. The dad's death, I was very confused while his death was happening because I was like, wait, what are the logistics of this scene? It was not well described. I could not picture it. Well, the fact that it was just like one after the other. Yeah, it was, was just too like close. So freaking typical. I think they should have saved the dad's death until the next book. Agreed. It's fine if they want to kill the dad, but don't kill either both that, parents. Either that at once. or the mom and the dad sacrifice themselves together. Yeah. And not just one of them. Yeah, exactly. Because then that still goes with the themes a little bit better and doesn't do like a one after the other yeah. dying in the exact same way situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Triss's relationship with Four. Uh-huh. I have seen critiques of this relationship with people who are like very against age differences. And Sophie knows this about me. I am not a big fan of age differences at all. Yeah. Mostly because my parents are the same age and only a couple of months apart. And that's what I've always seen as normal. So Even though it's not. Yeah, no, I totally get that. But like, that's just what my brain reads as normal. Mm-hmm. But like, so Triss is 16, right? Yeah. And Tobias reads more as like a 19 year old. He's 18. Yeah, we find out that he's only two years older than her. And once they acknowledge that, and she's like, aren't you too old for me? And he's just like, I don't think two years is that big of a deal. Yeah. And considering that they're 16 and 18, like, personally, if they were in our normal world, I would have a problem with their relationship a little bit. Just because I feel like 16-year-olds and 18-year-olds in our world are at pretty different places in their lives. Mm -hmm. But I think in the world of Divergent, it's okay. I don't mind their age gap, honestly. I don't even mind it so much in the real world if it is just a one grade level difference and they're still in high school when they get together. Well, 16 and 18 can be two grade di- I was thinking of it more as like she would be a sophomore and he would be a senior. Yeah, no, that's a That little, I have a problem with. That's a little bit much. I also have a problem with it because I had a friend who in high school who was in a relationship like that and it wasn't great. Yeah, I have never seen it end well. Yeah. I do not put any blame on the younger person in the situation. Totally. Ever. Yeah. But in terms of the older person, like 16 and 18, I think, again, is fine and would be fine if they were in the same context. Yes. In this situation, four is her trainer. Yeah, that's what makes it a problem. They kind of acknowledge it. Kind of. But they still go ahead with the relationship. Even though they try not to let it affect the, like, trainer-trainee relationship. Uh It does anyways. Like, that's kind of impossible to avoid. And I would have been fine if they got together after Triss was out of training and was an issue. Yes. Which is an additional problem with 
the way that these books are structured kind of as we talked mm-hmm. about at the end of our last episode where it moves too fast and it would have been better if we had seen her living as a dauntless member mm-hmm. for a little bit because the reason why Veronica Roth had to have them get together while she was still a trainee an initiative initiative or whatever the fuck it's called initiative. is yeah initiative whatever um is because she doesn't have room after the initiation is over yeah like they have to get together before because we need the basis for that relationship once the mind control stuff starts but we don't have any time in between becoming a member and the mind control stuff because it's literally the next day after they become members so veronica roth kind of wrote herself into a corner with this relationship And it could have been better. It could have worked. They could have just been flirting throughout the end of her training. And then they actually get together once she is a full member. But because of the way that Veronica Roth structured her story, she didn't allow time for that to happen. And I think that is the biggest problem with their relationship. It's pretty clear that when they start getting together, it's because the connection is that they're both from abnegation. They're both divergent, even though I'm not sure Four fully realizes it. And it makes sense that they would get together within the context of what happens. Yeah. I totally buy it would happen. My problem is not that it happened, but that if you want to portray a healthy relationship, this is not the way to go. And it's also just like, it's super rushed. How long is their initiation? Like a month? A couple weeks? Yeah. I know that um, in abnegation, they do 30 days of community service. So I'm assuming all of them are a month. Yeah. So that's a really short time to like meet someone and then get as invested as she does yeah in this situation like think about how close people got in college in the first few weeks that's true that's very very true you made a good point she's the only person from abnegation he's trying to help her he's trying to show that he cares about her in his own way yeah and the thing is he can't show he cares in a healthy way because he's her trainer and he is really restricted by the expectations of Dauntless and the oppression within the faction. He's also trying not to put a target on her back. He's trying not to play favorites while still showing that he cares about her. And I think he like toes the line pretty well until he falls on the situation where she's literally being assaulted. Um, Uh Which like fair, she needs comfort in that moment, but they probably should have talked more yeah after that all happened um oh one other thing i want to say about tris and it kind of has to do with their relationship i really really like that one of her fears is sexual intimacy Mm -hmm. i love that that is one of her fears that she has to go through in her simulation Mm -hmm. and that it is specifically she is afraid of not being in control in that situation Mm -hmm. which makes perfect sense given her experiences and also like for someone who has grown up in abnegation which seems like a very emotionally and physically restrictive environment of course she's gonna have some fears surrounding sexual intimacy if the most she's ever seen her parents do is hold hands in private Uh uh-huh she's never even seen people really kiss until Uh she gets to dauntless I do like that she and Four have a conversation about it. And he's also just as inexperienced (laughs) as she is. (laughs) Which, I mean, makes sense. Yeah, because he's obviously just as repressed as she is Mm -hmm. because they had similar upbringings. And I like that that is a bonding moment for them. Yeah, and that they don't immediately, he's like, oh, I'm just as inexperienced as you are. And she's like, great, I'm down, let's do this. And they don't, but like, they don't have sex in that moment. I don't think they have sex until Insurgent. Yeah, no, they don't have sex in this book at all. Yeah. The most they do is make out, Mm -hmm. which is still big for both of them. Mm -hmm. But like, it's really cool that, especially with four, there's like a narrative in our society, I think, where like, if you are still a virgin by a certain age, that somehow makes you a lesser person for some reason, mm-hmm. which I see as super fucked up. And then meanwhile- And also virginity de- is a fucked up concept And then also general. people are demonized for losing their virginity at the same time. Yeah, like for losing like it too young. Like it's something that you're losing instead of experience that you're gaining. Yeah, which is part of why the concept of virginity in general is kind of fucked up. But I appreciate that Four is an 18-year-old man who is portrayed to be very highly attractive and lots of girls are into him, but he hasn't had sex. 
Mm-hmm. And I like that that is something that we get to see in this book. And I really appreciate that that is part of his character. Mm-hmm. And I honestly just wish that there were more characters in fiction who were older and unexperienced. In, yeah, yeah. Inexperienced. That's something that is completely normal. And when you're in high school, you kind of feel like it's not normal. That's how I felt, at least, when I was in high school. But once you get to college, you realize, oh, everyone's on their own timeline. There is no right way to do this. Like, relationships are basically just build a bear, and you gotta build the bear that you want. (laughs) This this metaphor is getting away from me. Okay. Yeah. So that is a healthy conversation. That was a very healthy relationship conversation. Forrest still her trainer. Yes. It should have happened after she was a full member of if Dauntless. Veronica Roth wanted to portray a healthy relationship. Yeah. That kind of thing happens with Ver- like students and instructors. It's a real yeah. thing that happens in the real world. And it's not so far-fetched to want to portray it. Yeah, totally. But it's not healthy. And the narrative sort of acknowledges that it's not a great idea. But if you're going to go there, go it's- all the way. Yeah, like they come kind of address it but they don't really address it and they don't take any the narrative doesn't take any steps to be like we have acknowledged that the way that we are Mm -hmm. that the path that we are currently going down is not healthy here's an alternative path that we can now go down because we have recognized the one that we were on was not healthy yeah if you are in a relationship and you feel the need to keep it secret for reasons that are beyond identity well that's not healthy yeah in some situations with identity yeah that's an issue very true is there anything else we want to say about four as like an independent character um i didn't like four when i first read him and i i don't like him now still but i liked him way better because his actions made a lot more sense now that i had a little bit more context for why he was trying to um hide and the ways that he was able to protect her given his position Yeah, I think Four is a very interesting character, especially with his relationship with his dad. So his dad is Marcus, who is a leader in um, Abnegation, Abnegation. which is an interesting thing to explore in the selfless faction. Yes, because we find out that Marcus is an incredibly abusive man Mm -hmm. and was like beating Four for his entire childhood and being like, it's for your own good. Yep. Which is so fucked up. When Triss confronts him. Sort of confronts him. Sort of does that. At the end of Diversion, yeah. That made me uncomfortable. That shouldn't be her place. In certain situations, if he was engaging in behaviors overtly, Mm -hmm. then yeah, I think it's fine for her to stand up to him and to confront him. But in this situation, it's kind of like Ford didn't even talk about it that much with her. Yeah. Which I think is part of why she does do what she does and she's like, stay away from him to Marcus about Four. Mm -hmm. Because she knows that Four doesn't want to talk to or about Marcus Mm -hmm. so I kind of understand where she's coming from but it's also the type of thing where like ideally in an ideal relationship in an ideal world that is a conversation one would have with their partner to be Mm -hmm. like what are the boundaries here do you want me to be a buffer between you and your abusive father like Like, what did four want in that situation yeah he seems to be okay with the actions that she takes at least he tells her yeah and I mean honestly I feel like he might be okay with it because it seems like he is very used to taking on the strong protector role so i could very easily see him liking not having to be in that role with tris the protector role is another unhealthy part of their relationship it's one of those things where like it could grow to be less of an unhealthy thing because she is also independently strong and he sees her strength yes in insurgent it can be healthy. Yeah. But anyways, Marcus is an asshole, and that's pretty much all I got to say about him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. And I guess by extension, that's all I have to say about Tobias. For yeah. Whatever. Tobias gets a point of view in Allegiant, and- Yeah, at the very end after Triss is dead. It doesn't 
work. I didn't hate it. I don't think it worked. I That's th- fair. The stylistic break didn't see- sit right with me, and mm-hmm. it seemed like he only had a point of view because Tris was going to die, and well, doesn't Veronica he- Roth wanted to write an epilogue scene. He only gets a point of view after she's dead. Nope, he gets the point of view throughout the entire book. Oh, he does? Yeah, he does. I don't remember that yeah, at Yeah, I, I listened to the audiobook, and they switch readers every single Weird. time. Weird. I don't like that. Oh, another thing I don't like, uh, it's been forever since I read Allegiant, but don't Four and Christina, like, get together. What? I read that somewhere on the Diversion okay, Wiki possibly. that they start a relationship once Triss is dead, bonding over the loss of their loved ones. I, I don't have a big problem with that. I don't really have a problem with it, except for, I don't know, I like Four and Triss together, and I like Christina and Will together, and I am Will's upset dead. that- Look, I'm upset about it. Well, if Tristan want them to get together, then she shouldn't have killed Will. Yeah, I know. Shall we talk about our villains? Mm-hmm. So Janine is the leader of Erudite. <laughs> Played by Kate Winslet in the movie. Which we love. <laughs> This Sparks Notes page that I am looking at says she also has the highest IQ in Erudite. Fascinating. That makes sense that she's a leader. Yes, it does make sense that That's she's the leader. That's probably their their like qualification for, for being like, the leader. Determining the jobs in terms of the ranking, like which is also fucked up because IQ is not an accurate representation of intelligence. Yeah, they probably think it is though. Yeah, true. Um, and then our just have everyone take the SATs and use that to determine <laughs> <laughs> for their initiation. I hate it. Um, our second second villain that we got to talk about is Eric who is a dauntless leader who is actually a transfer from Erudite and who has kind of been placed in a position of power by Janine. Yeah, that's kind of big. And he's basically very in favor of this whole like brutal bravery mentality where like no weakness. He's toxic. He's very toxic. And he was in the same initiation class as four and came in second Mm -hmm. and still harbors a grudge about it. Yeah. Janine is an interesting character. Eric is a fuckhead. <laughs> and I hate him and yeah. I think he's wrong yeah but it's also okay now that I'm thinking about it if he was in the same initiation as four he's also 18 mm-hmm. this is why you don't put 18 year olds in charge of a society yeah but then <laughs> but then uh, Tris was like isn't this or isn't I can't remember isn't he kind of young yeah, to, yeah. no it was definitely yeah no I remember that bit it was Tris so yeah like he is kind of young but also like don't put an 18 year old in charge of training it's hard because we are only seeing Eric and Janine from Triss's point of view and Triss doesn't get their plan until the very end of the book Mm -hmm. so it's way harder for her to see the motivations and you just don't get enough of a sense of their whole plan and what they're doing because it isn't set up well enough because Triss doesn't know anything. I think it would have been interesting if Janine had taken an interest in Caleb who is um, Triss's brother Mm -hmm. because he transfers to Erudite so it would have been interesting if he had been like singled out because he is the brother of this person who had inconsistent test results. Not that that is what was reported, but like it had to be manually reported. Yeah. So that's like a red flag to begin with. I don't know. Yeah. Or if she could have like used Caleb as a spy to get info on whether Tris was divergent or not. Yeah. There could have been more there. Yeah. And also the whole thing where Caleb defected, there was a lot going on with Caleb that we didn't get to see. If this hadn't been so rushed in terms of a bot in first person, it would have been fine. I do really like how there's a couple of times where Triss is like thinking back on like times with Kayla where she's like, oh, that was probably his erudite tendencies. Like, and she recognizes that in him on reflection. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I also find it interesting that she didn't have more of an idea about that because his room is apparently filled with books. How did she not noticed that. Triss is dumb. Also, she's the little sister, right? They're the same age. No. They're the same. They go they're, through the choosing at the same time. They're like nine months apart. They're in the same grade and they're like in the same school year and everything, but they're like nine years apart. They're like one of them was born at the beginning of the school year and the other's at the end. It's Wait. That. They are different ages. They're not twins. What? But they would have to consummate. I mean, not consummate. That's the excuse wrong me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. The parents would have to conceive immediately after giving yes. birth to Caleb. That's what happened. But 
their poor parts. Yeah, the I poor mean, mother. The mother's poor parts. <laughs> Her body probably went through a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, they're not exactly the same age. But I know younger siblings. I have one. Ooh. They burst into your room sometimes. Mm-hmm. They go through your shit. I just had Catherine, you are totally allowed to go through my <laughs> shit. I give you full permission. I have mm-hmm. given you full permission in the past. But like, there's no way she hasn't just burst into his room before. Yeah. Like what? The next character we wanted to talk about was Tori. Tori is a member of Dauntless who works in the tattoo parlor. She's the one who administers Triss's aptitude test and basically tells her that she is divergent and to not tell anyone and like fixes her results and everything. Tori like tries to keep her safe. Yeah, but then does the classic like I'm going to withhold information until it's time to hear it. And I get that like for her it's kind of also like she had a, was it a twin brother or just a brother? Just a brother. Okay, she had a brother who was also divergent, who was killed by the Dauntless leadership during initiation because he like did too well. The did too well in the simulations. Yeah, it's a traumatic memory, so I get why she doesn't want to talk about it right away with Triss. It's so convenient though. It is really the same convenient. with Triss's mom withholding information too when the information yeah. could have kept her safe. That part I disliked more than Tori not telling yeah. her. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah. But yeah, Tori basically has a lot of beef with uh, Dauntless leadership because they killed her brother. Um, next, we wanted to talk about the other Dauntless initiates who transferred. Yes. So starting with Triss's friends, mm-hmm. her first friend and best friend is Christina, who transferred from Handor. I thought Christina was done well. I liked her. Also, the jealousy that she eventually feels when she Christina feels like she was taking care of Triss and adopting her and um, saw Triss as weak and then when Tris started doing well Christina felt jealous and threatened. Yeah I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. A very cool way to do it. Yeah I don't think that the way it was written in terms of Tris's reactions like oh my gosh this is so blatantly obvious please add a little bit more nuance in your writing when you're describing reactions. Yeah. And not full on saying like oh I wonder if the competition is getting real right now. And I was like no No shit. Yeah. (laughs) I do appreciate that Triss's best friend in this book is a girl. Yes. It, It helps the not like other girls. Like it helps stopping that. However, yeah, I don't think it completely stops it for me because mm-hmm. she does not prioritize her friendships yes. in this book, in the future books. And also she's very withholding with Christina, which I understand. And they're both very into their love interests. Yeah. And they're just not, they don't drives talk a wedge between to them. each other. En- like they don't get close enough for it to be enough for me. Also because Tris is really like literally not like other girls. Very true. Um, Christina's love interest is another one of Triss's friends, Will. I really like Will. We love Will. He's a transfer from Erudite. So he and Triss get into, they have a little bit of tension because of the tension between their past factions, which I think is an interesting way to illustrate the whole faction before blood thing. Which is, doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah. But it's a useful saying for the purpose of setting up the... Yes, totally. But she kills Will at the end of the book because he's being mind control and is pointing a gun at her. Because of course we have to have her kill someone who is close to her. I think it should have been Al. Yes, 100%. But with Will's death has always made me very mad Mm -hmm. just because of how blatantly Triss prioritizes four over her friendships and just doesn't see her friendships as important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking about uh, Triss's final friend in their little group, who turns out to not really be a friend, we have Al, who is a transfer from Candor as well. So he's really, really big and strong, but he is a big ol' softy and mm-hmm. doesn't want to hurt other people, performs poorly throughout initiation. Very poorly. And he also has a crush on Triss, but she doesn't like him back. Mm-hmm. She kind of, the way that she kind of thinks about it is it's almost like he's too weak and sensitive for her to be interested in him mm-hmm. which is a little messed up but also like you're allowed to have your preferences i guess yeah well i think she also i think part of that is that she doesn't want to feel like she's taking care of someone true and yes the group was kind of like a lot of the time just like working really hard to try to make al feel better mm-hmm. which is emotionally exhausting 
Yeah. And the thing about Al that is, like, interesting that we talked a little bit about in our first episode on Divergent is he is a very interesting example of how some of the characters react to being under so much pressure and in such a traumatic situation. Yes. Because he's doing really bad in initiation so badly that he somehow gets talked into participating in kidnapping Triss in the middle of the night and holding her over the pit while Peter gropes her and basically just sexually assaults her. Uh, I still don't fully understand where Al made that switch and where the motivations were. I think that could have been set up a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I do think before it happens, like, Triss is kind of avoiding him, so I get why we don't really see yeah. that transition happening, but it would have been interesting to see it more so. And maybe see him hanging out more with Peter a little bit. That would have been good. Yeah. And then- And, and that can just be like, like a one-off. Why the heck are you hanging out with- Yeah. Why the heck are you hanging out with Peter? And then Al's like, oh, no reason. And then the thing happens. Or like maybe the explanation is like, oh, Peter just offered to help with some of the training things. That would have been so good. Yeah. Especially because we find out later that four helped other initiatives in his year train. That would have just been like an interesting parallel kind of, not really a parallel, but you know. Yeah. And it would also have, seemingly sort of shown a different side of peter at least yeah a little bit and then that gets completely so peter is another candor transfer and he is very 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 cruel and mean but he's also very smart um is he though well he likes to think that he's smart well, he he gets away he's ruthless he like, is yeah there's a lot of turning a blind eye to what peter does yeah because he is the he kind of exemplifies the ruthlessness that the newer dauntless leadership wants in their members yeah and it's also kind of shows erudite strategizing in terms of being able to get through initiation um which he shouldn't be worried about because he's ranked really high except for the fact that he probably wants a good job yeah he wants to be number one because he wants first pick at his jobs because you pick jobs based on your ranking yeah is peter divergent I remember. I feel like he is. I think so. I know in this book that it says, it kind of says that he's not. He could have been lying. That's what I kind of assumed. Because he says that the leadership looked at his like aptitude test or whatever and saw that he was like ruthless enough to like do whatever they wanted him to do without mind control, which is why. Exactly. It makes zero sense. So I think he is divergent. We could look it up, but I don't want to. Unless they were trying to save resources on serum, they're not to do that yeah but i think we see throughout the book how he is divergent because he does he showcases like you were saying he showcases erudite strategizing techniques he knows how to lie partially because he was in candor and we get a story about him from christina from when he was a kid apparently as a child he would start fights with other kids and other factions and when an adult would intervene he would cry and lie to the adult and say that the other kids started it and his candor faction because they are known for truthfulness everyone assumed he was telling the truth but really being in candor just taught him how to be a really good liar yeah which i think is fascinating and it's part of why he's a fascinating character yeah i do think that he is not nuanced enough in terms of being realistic as a human being Yes, definitely agreed. Yeah. But he is interesting. Yeah. And I like that we continue to see him throughout the books and he keeps switching sides, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he he's, does. He's interesting. That's what I'll say. I think he's working with Janine and then he switches sides. Yeah. Um, next, we wanted to talk a little bit about the Dauntless-born initiatives, specifically. Oh, wait, to go back oh. to Al for a second. Oh, yeah, totally. Triss doesn't need to forgive Al. Yeah, no, she doesn't. Triss doesn't need to forgive Al. Triss doesn't need to be sad about Al because that is something that obviously you're going to have to, you're going to like, she can be sad later after she processes everything because he just did that betrayal thing. Yeah. And like, I get being sad because they were friends and like there were good times Mm -hmm. and it is okay to appreciate those good times while still acknowledging and not forgiving for the bad yeah. times. And then what I was saying earlier that I wish that Triss killed Al and not Will, I think that that would have been way more morally interesting 
for Tris to grapple with whether she feels bad about killing Al. Mm. Because I think her refusal to kill Eric kind of showed that she won't necessarily, she will try to do something other than kill people first Mm -hmm. before she goes in and kills people if she knows them. Yeah. Or if she knows that they have free will. Which is kind of why the will killing is out of character for her. Yeah, it's out of character. It's super sudden. And also, Will was in a position where she could have overpowered him if she shot him elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, but I think Al would have been a better character to kill off. And if there had to be a suicide, Al is fine. But I maybe would have wanted it to be someone who didn't have the whole betrayal aspect. I understand what Veronica Roth was trying to do with Al, where it's like, oh, Tris didn't forgive him, and so he killed himself because of that. Or at least, like, that was the final pushing point, Mm -hmm. tipping point for him. That's kind of what it seemed like the narrative was saying. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, really fucked up. Yeah. And not really how suicide works. I think it would have been so much better if it had been someone who maybe Tris was new and was friends with, etc., etc. But not someone who the narrative could even say that she influenced. Yeah, honestly, it would have been more interesting if it had been one of the Dauntless Born initiatives. Initiatives? Shh. <laughs> Jacqueline, every time. Look, words are hard. Mm-hmm. If it had been one of the Dauntless Born ones, yeah. um, that would have been... I think it would have been interesting if it had been one of the Dauntless Born ones who had like been at the bottom of the rankings, even though it, they had been Dauntless Born and mm-hmm. had been training for this their entire lives. And like, how are you at the bottom of the ranking if you're Dauntless Born? Yeah, it... Uh, that would have been way more compelling to me. Yeah. As like a explanation. Chris could have maybe talked with that person the zipline day. Yeah. And so there could have been that interaction there. So it doesn't feel like... But yeah, I think Al was the wrong choice. Especially because yeah. like it's fucked up to put a person's suicide on another person. Oh yeah. No, Which, that was like, bad. I mean, like maybe we'll cover this book one day, but like 13 Reasons Why, that's the entire problem with the premise of that book where like the girl kills herself and makes it everybody's problem yes and like blames everyone else yeah and the thing is veronica ross seems to think that if she seems to think that if tris had forgiven yeah al that he wouldn't have killed himself yeah which is like one she doesn't have to forgive him he literally participated in her sexual assault yeah and attempted murder and attempted murder both of which are very very bad she does not need to forgive him Mm -hmm. you don't have to forgive your abusers I wish that she killed Al in that moment. Maybe not when that was going on, because then you don't get the grab, like the relationship with Al after that happened. But yeah, Al yeah. would have been the person to kill. Like there could have also been this thing where, yeah, she's thinking like, oh yeah, maybe I could have done the same thing where I shot them in the foot, but mm-hmm. no, this person betrayed me because she has that little like revenge ruthlessness in her where she's like, I don't feel bad. Yeah. Um, just to really quickly talk about the other transfers, we have two other transfers from Erudite, Edward, and Myra who are dating, and they voluntarily leave Dauntless after Peter stabs Edward in the eye. Yep. So they choose to become factionless together, and that's really cool. Do they show up in other books? I think they show up in Insurgent, but I'm not entirely sure. I hope they do, because that's a really cool, um, thing that they did. Yeah. And then getting into the Dauntless Born initiates we have our fave uriah yeah yeah we love him uriah's the best he is the absolute best he makes tris feel welcome Mm -hmm. he congratulates her he's a big team player yeah like we said before representative of what dauntless should be yeah And he also, like, doesn't seem to be bitter when Triss beats him in the ratings. Like, he comes in number two and Triss is number one. And he's just like, congrats, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Which is so good. I think Uriah's divergent too, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes, he is. But then he dies. Yes. He ends up dying in Allegiant. He doesn't die in the movies, though, interestingly enough. Because they didn't make part two. Yeah, that's true. Uh, (laughs) So anyways, they're all great. We love the Dauntless Born initiates. They're great. Uriah also has an older brother, Zeke, who we meet. And Zeke kind of gives him inside information about training, which is, you know what? Use it to your advantage. You do you. Yeah, that's fine. And I think that's most of the characters we wanted to talk about, except for 
for Triss's family who you wanted to save to last? Yeah, I kind of already touched on this in, I think, the first episode, but Triss's parents are used by Veronica Roth as a representative of Triss's struggle with self-sacrifice and selflessness. Yes. And they're a product of that arc. They do have other things to their personality before they make that ultimate sacrifice, Mm -hmm. but they are used as pawns for Triss's struggle and growth. And sometimes you do need a character who's going to be a pawn and it's easy to use the parents. Which is like a real shame in this situation because they're extremely interesting characters in their own right. And we didn't find out they were interesting until they were in a position where they could not follow exactly what the faction wanted. Yeah, so um, just for some background on them, Triss's mom, her name is Natalie. We find out that she is actually Dauntless born Mm -hmm. and that she transferred into Abnegation. Is she Divergent? Sort of? Yeah. She is. Okay, she is Divergent, yeah. But she molds herself into Abnegation really well. Mm -hmm. So it's like kind of a surprise when we find out that she's Dauntless, even though it's hinted at really well. Yeah, and she's been hiding. Oh my gosh, I can't believe her mental health is in shit. It might be, but. Yeah. I liked the reveal we get at the kind of the end where she has a tattoo (laughs) and it's like this, oh shit, she's got a tattoo. Mm-hmm. Duh, she's Dauntless. Veronica Roth has a thing with tattoos. Oh, Veronica Roth has a tattoo kink. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would say it's a kink. It is. It is a whole thing in Carve the Mark, too, which she got in trouble for. Because, it's a kink. Because they were, it, it was tattoos, not really, but they were like scarring themselves on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely a tattoo kink. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Triss's father, his name is Andrew. Did I say Triss's mom's name? Her Natalie. Name? Natalie, yeah. yeah. But her father's name is Andrew. He is a member of the political council and is very devoted to abnegation. I'm pretty sure he's abnegation born. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we really find out if he's not. But yeah, he's really into the whole selflessness thing. Yeah. He's good at it. I'm kind of like, do Triss's parents actually love each other? I feel like they at least care about each other. I'm sure they care about each other, but are they like... I don't know if they're in love, but I think they do love each other. Can you even be in love with someone and be like, it's possessive and selfish? Who knows? I do appreciate his reaction when he finds out that his wife is now dead. He recognizes that they're in kind of a very tumultuous spot and now is not the time to grieve. And he just kind of says that's how she would have wanted to go. Okay, I don't like that because I think that that is a very... Okay, it is true that it is a very abnegation reaction. Yes. But I don't like the way that their sacrifice is portrayed as an ultimate good. Yeah. I understand that it had to happen for the purpose of narrative. It just makes me uncomfortable to say that a death is helpful or good in any way. That makes sense. I think it could have been more interesting if Triss's dad at the end of his life was a little selfish and mm-hmm. showed that he loved her mom a lot by being like, I don't want to live without her, which is still like a kind of a fucked up point of view, I get. Uh, uh-huh. But you know, it's seen as romantic a lot of times. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I know I like you it. don't like it. It's okay. You don't have to. I but I wrote it. I don't like it. But I think it would have been interesting for these characters as like, a, he's selfish at the very end of his life. He's like, I don't want to live without my wife. It would have also been interesting if he'd been like, I want to live for my kids. Yeah. Either of those would have been interesting. But anyways, Triss's dad feels very betrayed when his kids leave for other factions. And I kind of get it. I mean, I get it. They both pretended a lot. Triss, less of a surprise. But Caleb did a great job hiding that he wasn't actually as selfless yeah and he had a tendency to like lecture her about selflessness yeah and like judge her when she wasn't yeah so he's more shocked It's really messed up that they're not really allowed to talk about their faction decision with their family. That's a big decision to leave your family. Anyway, because I feel like if you could give your family the heads up about what you're going to do, like that would be nice. Yeah. We don't really find out if this is how it actually went down, but it seems like Caleb in his aptitude results got erudite and is very shocked by it. So like even he didn't really know that he was going to get that. Mm -hmm. And he probably did a lot of 
of self-reflection that night and is mm-hmm. like, oh shit, this does make sense. Yeah. Which is why he decides to switch. Yeah. But Erudite really uses the fact that both Caleb and Triss transfer out of abnegation mm-hmm. against their father because they're like, if this man can't raise his own children to like be devoted to abnegation values, something must be wrong with abnegation values. Yeah. When also trying to like promote the fact that it's genetic and you gotta go with your aptitude. It's very confusing. I honestly don't understand why they even let them choose if they have I know, same! I mean, I'm glad that they have a choice and that the test is just a suggestion. But it makes no sense! Yeah, so it's, yeah, again. Yeah. Um, Rather it be a cult thing. Yeah. Any other characters that we want to talk about? Because I have covered all the ones um, on Let's list. talk about Triss dying. Yes. I, when I first read it, was like, oh shit, this is pretty cool. Fuck yeah, Veronica Roth for going there. I respect the fact that she went there. Yes. I think it is a stupid death, the way that uh-huh. she dies, but I appreciate the fact that she went there. Yeah. Yeah, that's really all I gotta say about it. I don't have that many opinions. Well, my opinion is kind of like the, so the fans reacted pretty badly to it and they were just one they had a lot of questions why she did it so she even wrote a whole article explaining why she killed off Triss Mm -hmm. and basically was like oh yeah it's the result of her self-sacrifice struggle and she is finally able to be fully selfless in her ultimate sacrifice even though she survived the serum and then got shot mm-hmm. um i think it was fine yeah i liked that it happened i was just kind of like whatever because it's really hard for me to care about tris mm-hmm. when she's just so poorly drawn as a interesting person mm-hmm. because she doesn't do anything she's very reactive i hate i hate that and the thing that she does when she finally does something which is to go after the computer that's great like that more of that, please. Should have done that or that kind of thing earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have much opinion on her death, but I'm not sure that the way it happened was a great idea. And I also don't think that the Jesus metaphor was working. Yeah, because Veronica Roth was trying to write a Jesus story. I don't think mm-hmm. it's really a Jesus story. There was weird religion where abnegation is religious. Are the other ones religious? The abnegation aren't um, inherently religious. It's just Triss's family. Her dad is religious for some yeah. reason. We don't really find out if there are other people who are religious. Yeah, that kind of seemed random to bring religion into it without expanding on why it's there in this world that has different values from what's going to be in the bible it would have been interesting to see different factions takes on religion but i feel like the inclusion of it is definitely more reflective on veronica roth as a person than anything else i personally find it distracting same because i think that it messes it really messes with the world and what they're trying to go for with values if Mm -hmm. they had an overarching if there had been more religious talk yeah if their rationalization for dividing people into the series into like the personalities had been from a religious perspective i would have gotten it especially because a lot of time has passed that had been sort of the origin yeah whatever if they interpret a line of the bible and they're like we need to make this our world yeah which is like how actual cults happen, so that would yeah. make sense. And then it shows Triss praying to God at one point. Yeah, and when she's like about to die or something. And I was just thinking like, this seems kind of random. Gonna... Like you're developing this whole world and then you're suddenly mentioning that Triss has associations with Christianity specifically. Yeah, and like a very today understanding of Christianity without so much um, adjustment for their world. Which is why I really do think it is more of a reflection on Veronica Roth as a person. Oh yeah. And she should have thought through her world more. Yeah. I think as we have showcased through our past episode and this one. Veronica Roth also is kind of known for not fully thinking through her worlds. That makes sense. As evidenced by Carve the Mark where she did that whole self-harm thing that didn't sit right with a lot of people with the yeah that wasn't really self-harm in the way that she portrayed it but it was carved the mark literally into their skin yeah i never read that one because i was big in book tumblr at that time and there was a lot of posts going around about how even just the cover yeah kind of was offensive 
expensive and looked like self-harm scars. Yeah, I mean, I never read it because I was over that kind of story. Yeah. I think it was actually Divergent that taught me how to look at summaries Mm -hmm. to reject books a little bit better when the YA dystopian craze was going on. Yeah. And to know that the summary is usually just the concept. Yeah. Which is usually interesting, but then if the summary mentions a boy, I should not (laughs) pick it up. That's fair. Is there anything else that we need to talk about? Because honestly, we've been recording for so long and I'm very tired. If you want to know more about the Veronica Roth controversy, look it up on BookTube because they can explain it way more than I can. Yeah, and they'll go Um, more in depth. Yeah, and also, uh, especially because of the way Part of the Mark is Veronica Roth's characters are all people of color, essentially. And so please check out an explanation from of the situation by a person of color, which is an interesting thing to mention about this book. She doesn't really um, state either way if people are... She doesn't describe people. She doesn't really describe people. She doesn't describe anything. Yeah, which means it's kind of up to interpretation, which I think the movies did a good job adding explicit diversity into the cast, which was great. Um, Christina and Araya. Yeah. Could have done more, but, you know, glad that we got what we got. Um, Okay. I think we've covered fan fiction takes to hell and back, honestly. So let's just go straight into conclusions. Ratings and conclusions. Ratings and conclusions. So, Sophie, would you like to go first? Yeah. I'm going to rate this book a one out of five. (laughs) It's a very easy decision for me. Nostalgia-wise, it's going to be a four out of five because of my pure hatred that I used to have for it. After this read, I wouldn't say that I have as much hatred because I feel a little bit more understanding of the merits of this world and how it's not all stupid. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I didn't like this. So I'm going to give my current rating is going to be a three, I think, because, you know, it's a fun read. I understand that people really like this book. It has a lot of problems. It's not well thought through, but it's fun and like especially the first two-thirds of it really fun to read before we get to the whole abnegation mass murder part but before that it's really fun and I do thoroughly enjoy it. I'm gonna give my nostalgia rating a two honestly. I'm less nostalgic for this book than I am for the time when it was published (laughs) I think. We didn't talk about that. Well yeah we kind of talked about the dystopian craze. Talk about it when we covered Hunger Games. Yeah and I mean like that was my first year of high school pretty much is when this book was really, really big. And I mean, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for that time period in my life, but you know, whatever. It's a moment that is encapsulated by this dystopian YA craze. Um, I would probably recommend this to people who want to read it. It's an okay book. Like, if you liked Hunger Games, this is not as good as it. Mm -hmm. But if you want to read a YA dystopian book, you can do worse than this. If you liked Maze Runners, would highly recommend this. I think you would like this one. Yeah, I think if you didn't like The Hunger Games, you're going to hate this. Yes. If you like The Hunger Games, you might find this okay. If you like Maze Runner, I personally think Maze Runner is bad, but... <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Um, Yeah, so do what you want to do. It's kind of a... Initiation is always a fun concept. Yeah. I think if you like this, there is probably a high chance you won't be able to get through Insurgent and Allegiant. Yeah. Uh, just because the plots make absolutely no sense and they're uninteresting but yep yeah i don't know i would never actively recommend this people mm-hmm. are going to pick them up they're going to pick them up yeah and then if you were a character in this book who would you be mm-hmm. i would love to be uriah but i would not be mm-hmm. i'd probably be robert the guy who starts in <laughs> abnegation and then goes to amity honestly mm-hmm. though i would never choose to go to amity i don't know i would i don't know i'd probably be caleb maybe Mm-hmm. Just because of being able to fake something and then mm. making a different choice. But I don't know. I would love to be Triss's mom. Just a secret badass. I felt bad for Triss's mom having to hide that for so long. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> so that's all for this week. Next time we'll be reading Ruby Redfort, Genius Girl Spy, Look Into My Eyes by Lauren Child. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at WTKA underscore podcast and our website link in description thanks for listening self-care is not selfish. selfish and have a great day